It's the most wonderful time of the year, Christmas. And what better way to get into the holiday spirit than with a Minky Couture blanket? Whether you're gathered around the tree with loved ones, roasting marshmallows by the fire, or just looking for a cozy way to stay warm on a chilly night, Minky blankets are the perfect addition to your Christmas festivities. With a wide range of festive designs and colors, you can find the perfect blanket to match your holiday decor or gift to your loved ones. So this Christmas, make your holiday even cozier with a Minky Couture blanket. Head to MinkyCouture.com now and find your perfect blanket, just in time for the holiday. Happy Holidays from Minky Couture. It's the most wonderful time of the year, Christmas. And what better way to get into the holiday spirit than with a Minky Couture blanket? Whether you're gathered around the tree with loved ones, roasting marshmallows by the fire, or just looking for a cozy way to stay warm on a chilly night, Minky blankets are the perfect addition to your Christmas festivities. With a wide range of festive designs and colors, you can find the perfect blanket to match your holiday decor or gift to your loved ones. So this Christmas, make your holiday even cozier with a Minky Couture blanket. Head to MinkyCouture.com now and find your perfect blanket, just in time for the holiday. Happy Holidays from Minky Couture. This is an official download from TheCustardTV.com. Hi everyone and welcome to another edition of the Custard TV podcast. It's Matt back with you once again. I hope you're all well. Joining me today, uh, we have got someone who isn't very well. It's Dawn. How are you, Dawn? I'm getting better. This podcast is just documenting my the ups and downs of my health. I have a <laughs> respiratory infection, but I'm on the antibiotics. I've only got two more to take, so hopefully it's on its way out. But I also have mice, so I mean, that's not my health. That's your mental health being affected. Exactly. So I'm exhausted from chasing and, and cleaning up after mice. And it's got to the point now, Dawn, what, what's the breaking point? We learned this just yeah. uh, when we were talking. They have eaten some of my jelly beans. So that's it. There's no more. <laughs> we're got, we've ordered the poison. <laughs> I can't cohabitate with someone who eats my jelly beans. Even my husband doesn't do that. So that's it. And if he did, he knows what would happen to him now. Exactly. <laughs> Poison left in uh, various places around the kitchen. So. <laughs> and joining us also is uh, Sophie Davies. How are you, Sophie? I'm good, thank you. Nothing like mice to report, <laughs> no fortunately. No. How did the haircut go? Let's ask you that after the last uh, Oh, podcast I'm sure ev- everyone is like on tens <laughs> that of That was books. the cliffhanger. <laughs> It was fine. <laughs> Nothing to report. I had a bit oh, okay. more cut off than usual, if that is well, if that's exciting for anyone. <laughs> Somebody somewhere, I don't know, might do something for them. Who knows? <laughs> we're not here to judge. But what we are here to do is talk about TV. And we have got four shows uh, to discuss this week. Uh, season three of Only Murders in the Building. And Heartstopper has also returned for a second season on Netflix. Uh, we've also got a new competition slash reality show alone that's on channel four and on apple tv plus the adaptation of the web comic strange planet uh, but first everybody's favorite feature what have we been watching what are we still watching sophie i'll go to you first 
last weekend I watched all of Heartstopper season mm. one in one evening because it's one that I have been meaning to watch it since it was first on because I've heard such good things about it and I just never really got around to it and obviously because season two is coming out that was the encouragement that I needed to watch season one and I wasn't I didn't set out to watch the whole thing in one night it just sort of ended up that way because I was just finding it so pleasant to watch really like it's quite sort of uplifting Mm -hmm. very cute I just had an evening spare I stuck the first episode on and ended up watching like four hours of it basically (laughs) I've been watching the after party each Mm -hmm. week um I haven't watched the latest one yet I need to catch up with that Um, yeah I haven't seen that one yet but yeah really enjoying that so far Mm. finding it harder to predict who the killer is compared to season one I don't know if it was obvious to anyone else in season one but I feel like I guessed it quite early on whereas this one it's a bit more like the characters doing completely disparate things so yeah intrigued to see where that goes your perception changes episode by episode doesn't it I think they up the sort of the tension and where the characters motivations are Dawn are you watching it as well I am and I've been uh, watching the YouTube videos which sort of highlight Mm. the clues and stuff after each episode which is really good because I always think I'm quite good at that but clearly I'm not because yeah I always look at reddit after each episode and the stuff that people pick up on is mad like completely like background things like little codes and puzzles it's ridiculous the Hannah episode I really enjoyed because yeah sort of know Wes Anderson quite well but did you think it was a bit of a sort of niche parody they did in that one I, I think because of the um recent film it was very in my mind so I immediately mm. knew oh that's a Wes Anderson you know so I think currently it's it's quite in people's mind in vogue yeah, yeah he, ha- he has been around for quite a while now as well like he's made quite a lot of films I remember watching the Royal Tenenbaums when I was like a teenager I think so he's been going for quite a while yeah I, I really liked it and I think it's probably my favorite episode the Sebastian one the Jack Whitehall one have you watched that one Dawn Yes, I have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was a little bit underwhelmed by that one. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I didn't love that one. But Jack Whitehall getting to do his. I'm. I can be an actor in both sides of the Atlantic. Yeah. Accent, I can do I an American accent. It always goes back to that on the Graham Norton show thing where they showed the clip of him in that film and Olivia Coleman didn't get that he was doing an American accent. Oh yeah. <laughs> in that clip. <laughs> And uh, Sophie, did you finish The Bear? Yeah, I finished The Bear, yeah. Really enjoyed it again. The final episode in particular where they're trying to just run on the opening night, that was very good, I thought. Episode six obviously was incredible. And it was the, you know, the direction, how much of it was just close-ups on people's faces. It was like 90% of the episodes. The intensity was so much because you felt claustrophobic in that house. But the episode seven was my favourite with the, the focus on Richie you, and the... You said that as well, didn't you, Sophie? Yeah, I love the Richie episode. Yeah. I, I, I wish that... someone had... Sorry, I wish someone had warned me that if I watched that first thing in the morning, I'd have love stories stuck in my head all day. It's the only <laughs> thing. That was just really good to see a different side of Richie because even like Marcus and stuff, we kind of know their personality. So when we spent a full episode with them, it was good, but it wasn't as illuminating. But that one, it really made me fall in love with Richie and see a different side of him. So it was very 
powerful in that scene. Yeah, and and an unexpected cameo in that one as well, which I wasn't, yeah. which Luke didn't ruin like all the other cameos in, <laughs> in episode six. Dawn, anything else for you? And uh, the only thing is, I've I've finished um, Good Omens, which has oh, okay. a a bit of a heartbreaking end, but makes it very clear that it is the the middle between two. Um, you know, the season one and season three are, are sort of the main plot ones. But I have been reading a lot of theories about season two, people saying that there's more going on than we realise, that it may all be like Metatron manipulating reality, and but it's a question of how much is he manipulating reality. Some people think basically the whole thing's been manipulated by him. Other people just think the last few minutes. So uh, it's going to be very interesting to see, hopefully, Season three will be made and um, we'll find out. Uh, oh, no, obviously I finished Hijack. Yes, I was going to say. Were you satisfied by that ending? I was. I didn't think it needed the bit on the plane. It was lagged. doing a bit of a Jack Bauer type. Yeah. yeah. I, did, I didn't need that bit. I didn't understand the motivation of that bit from the bad guy's point of view. I suppose it was added peril, wasn't it? They were like, oh, well, the plane's Although... down. They obviously didn't bank on people already touting a season two when they made that episode. Yes. <laughs> I know we spoke about this last week with Sarah. Do you think there's room for a second season? Because there's there's a, a couple of things that they didn't really sort of tie up in a bow, like what's happened with the sort of the big bads yes. and all this sort of money crashing. Yeah, and... because I can't remember what happened after the shooting incident with the big bads. Did they... They just remember. drove off. We didn't see him again. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Ooh, okay, well, yeah, so that leaves it open. And nobody quite understands how finance works, so <laughs> to get away with. I'm like, did they still get some money? Because, it, you know, it, it, it did crash. The shares did go down. And he, what was he saying? I'll make 18 million every second or something. I was hmm. like, okay, <laughs> I believe you. But I don't know how. Very much the biggest MacGuffin in the world that people could just, yeah, with the shares, stocks. Yeah, money. Plane crashing, that's all you need to know. What I did like there at the end was how things really went back to normal straight away. Like, you know, Eve Miles had a call from her kids' school yes. to come pick her up. And, you know, the family got off the plane and they were already arguing that she'd taken the, like, the kids' toys off. I it, like that. And I really liked the story with Amanda. Because obviously when the previous episode finished, you go, oh no, what's that? And then it's just more of the same. And I liked how it turned into, look, we're all in this together. The hijackers that put them on side, because look, if we're, if it go to crash, we're all going to die. So let's all work together. Yeah, And a very uh, powerful sermon from the vicar, which was basically, shut up. I just think all the ensemble, you could go to anyone in that cast and just like they had a, had a minute and you actually believe yeah. them. As I said, done really with a tongue in its cheek with having like, you know, George Kay and Jim Field Smith. Did you uh, watch Stag ever, Sophie? I did, yeah. Is this um, Jim Field Smith? Jim Field Smith. Oh, I didn't realise that. To be honest, I didn't even realise this was a British show. I just knew right. it was Apple TV Plus yeah. and... Idris Elba's in a lot of American stuff so to be yeah. honest I just assumed it was American no no British um hmm. and yes. as I say that that duo are oh, I, I really like their stuff they did well they do Lupin and um Criminal as well on Netflix so lots of different stuff would really recommend Hijack it was I think something 
that was almost like appointment viewing for people who knew it was there. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't it doesn't ever seem to have permeated as as I think Sophie gives the example that she didn't really know even though it was British. I think just because a lot of people in the UK don't have Apple TV Plus, yeah. like yeah. I think we've talked about this before with like Ted Lasso, how it's a British show but it's massive in America. And, like, for example, nobody in my office has seen it. <laughs> like, it's, yeah, it's a weird one with Apple TV Plus over here. You're right, because I found out someone in my office had Apple TV Plus, and it's like, wow, someone else I can recommend hosting. <laughs> and she'd been watching Hijack as well, so I recommended her the after party because she likes only murders in the building. But there you are. We've got quite a few shows there for you to check out if you haven't seen them already. This could be a podcast. A podcast? Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Use your ears and trust them. This is the Custard TV Podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. Let's quickly do uh, some plugs. Sophie, uh, your podcasts. Do you want to just quickly go through those? Yeah, one of them is uh, Smashed Prawns in a Milky Basket about the work of Julia Davis. Uh, and the other one is It's an S-Pod thing about uh, all of the TV series of S Club 7. They're available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and also I'm on Twitter at It's Sophie Davis. It's the most wonderful time of the year, Christmas. And what better way to get into the holiday spirit than with a Minky Couture blanket? Whether you're gathered around the tree with loved ones, roasting marshmallows by the fire, or just looking for a cozy way to stay warm on a chilly night, Minky blankets are the perfect addition to your Christmas festivities. With a wide range of festive designs and colors, you can find the perfect blanket to match your holiday decor or gift to your loved ones. So this Christmas, make your holiday even cozier with a Minky Couture blanket. Head to MinkyCouture.com now and find your perfect blanket, just in time for the holiday. Happy holidays from Minky Couture. Chipyard is devoted to, well, they won't the chips um, and slow burns. Uh, we The last episode we did was about Ted Lasso, and was that going to be a slow burn? And the answer was no. Uh, so you don't need to listen to that episode. But you can find us on the Shipyard UST uh, on YouTube and on all your podcast platforms. We're on also on Instagram and Twitter. My personal Twitter is uh, Don Glenn 2 We're the Custard TV podcast. Like the others, you can find us on all your podcast apps of choice. Please rate, review and subscribe. The CustardTV.com is where you can find this podcast and other articles, including Dawn's many writings on The Power of Parker, as we mentioned. Luke's review of Season 3 of Only Murders in the Building. Also Dawn's review of Hijack and going back there to Sixth Commandment, The Bear, quite a lot of reviews um, going back. And as we said, interview with Paul Coleman as well about Power of Parker. Uh, we've also got all the usual um, what's coming up this week, what's coming up soon. So check that. You can find out when your favourite shows are coming back and what's in the pipeline. And if you would like to be a part of the podcast or like to write for the website, you can get in touch uh, with us on Twitter. I'm at Matt's TV Bytes. Luke slash the website is at Luke Custard TV and uh, the podcast at Custard TV Pod. Uh, Dawn very kindly runs our Instagram, which is it's the Custard TV, and uh, you can find us on Facebook or the e- email is custardtvreviews at gmail.com. Right, let's get to the reviews. Uh, we just mentioned it. Only Murders in the Building is back for a 
third season uh, with uh, Steve Martin, Selena Gomez, Martin Short, alongside some very big uh, guest stars. Uh, Sophie's just going to run us through the basic uh, points of the plot in this one. It starts by introducing us to a character called Loretta, who is played by Meryl Streep. Uh, Loretta has sort of always wanted to perform from a young age, but she hasn't really had much success in her career, um, ironically being played by Meryl Streep. Uh, she hasn't really had her sort of big breakthrough moment, but when she auditions for Oliver to be in a play he's directing called Death Rattle, he is really impressed by her and he casts her in the role of the nanny. And we then flash forward to what we saw at the end of the season two finale, which is that on the opening night of Death Rattle, the leading man, who's played by Paul Rudd, steps out onto the stage and pretty much immediately drops dead. In the aftermath of this, we see that the audience is all sent home, but Oliver decides to go ahead with his opening night party at the Arconia just to kind of like rally the cast and figure out what's going on. After that, we then go back to four months earlier, which is the day of the first read-through for the show. So along with Oliver directing it, Charles is also there because he's part of the cast. And Mabel just kind of tags along, really, uh, for a sort of vague reason. She sits in on the read-through. We learn that the guy who's being played by Paul Rudd is uh, a film star called uh, Ben Glenroy. He's making his Broadway debut and he's known for playing a character called Cobra, who's um, a zoologist who transforms into a cobra and helps the police solve crimes. Uh, We also learn that he has moved into the Arconia Uh, taking the big apartment that belonged to, I think, Sting in season one and then Amy Schumer in season two. During the read-through, Loretta isn't particularly good uh, and Ben tells Oliver that he should fire her, but Oliver is determined to give her a chance. You know, at this point in her career, he saw something in her during the audition and wants to sort of carry on with that. We then go back forward to the opening night party and there are a few twists that I I don't really want to spoil for people listening who haven't seen it yet. Um, but basically, by the end of the episode, it's pretty clear that everyone hated Ben. Uh, it seems like he's kind of pissed off everyone involved in the show over the last few months during rehearsals. And they all really dislike him for different reasons. Uh, therefore lots of people potentially have a motive for murdering him we also sort of find out there's a little bit of a flirtation going on between Oliver and Loretta and so that's possibly also a motive for her to murder Ben because Oliver has sort of turned her down saying it's like a professional thing so ultimately by the end of the episode you know we have all these suspects and we get the idea that Mabel, Oliver and Charles are going to go back to the podcasting to investigate this new murder that's happened. Dawn, I don't think you've been on before to talk about this uh, with us. So what are your feelings on Only Murders? You know, when did you start watching it? And just give us some thoughts on on the first two episodes are um, available. And I think we've all watched them. So I've watched four. <laughs> <laughs> So, just yeah. the first two though please do yeah i came to only murders when it first aired actually the first you know the first series um i got onto at the time it was airing so it was it was fantastic because it was a a released weekly and i really loved the the mystery element the murder mystery 
who done it every week loved that aspect with the comedy uh, along with everybody else I didn't think the second season was as good but I still really enjoyed it so I was delighted that this was coming back and it definitely as Luke said in his review it's definitely back on form they've leaned into what makes it so good I think the problem with the second season was they split off Mabel quite a lot and they, they, they split them all up quite a lot. Whereas this one, they seem to be much more focused on the three of them as a group because they're investigating this and um, they don't, there isn't an outside story like there was with um, Mabel in the, the second season. Of course, Paul Rudd is fantastic be, being this kind of, I was trying to think something like Charlie Sheen in the 80s when he was this uh, heartthrob movie star popular with teens and then he's just trying to be taken seriously, wants to be um, a proper actor, but all an awful person. Um, <laughs> and so, the, uh, you, you know, the, the, the motive that everybody could have killed him. Steve Martin's character, Charles, he's got a girlfriend Joy, who was uh, his makeup artist on Brazos, his, his TV show. So she's in it quite a lot. Uh, and obviously Meryl Streep is fantastic. She's it's, it's always interesting when you have an actor playing an actor on screen and whether, you know, she has this audition where she's brilliant and then in the read-through she's awful and she's trying to do uh, different accents, which is uh, hilarious. Including so, a Scottish accent. Including a Scottish How accent. How did you write her Scottish accent? Uh, let's just say a bit Scotty from uh, Star Trek level. So it's uh, very funny to see her making herself bad, and then we don't know why she's so good when she did her audition and, and so bad at other times. Um, and also, I don't think this is in the first episode, but this isn't a, a big spoiler, Oliver decides to turn the play into a musical and that hugely leans into the talents of Martin Short and Steve Martin. It's their shtick, isn't it? The musical, comedy musicals. So it gives them a chance to do musical numbers and to really push that, the, the shows that, that Martin Short and Steve Martin did, you know, their tour. Um, I think it's on... It's on Disney. There's one of them, a, a live one that recorded, and it's very evoking that kind of thing. They've absolutely leaned into what their strengths are, and it really works, I think. And and the murder mystery obviously is is going. There's, um, Howard from from the the building is is working as Oliver's assistant. So he he the cat loving chap with in the sweaters is is um involved in it as well. And of course, because it's in the building. All the the usual characters are there, but we've also got um, Ben's producer Donna and her son Cliff, who who have a very very dodgy relationship uh, as mother and son. There's also Ashley Park is playing Kimber, a sort of starlet type. So there's so many guest stars, as uh, you know, making up the ensemble. And in fact, they make a joke about the second season not being as good, which I thought was really was really clever that they are acknowledging, yeah, we didn't do so well this time. They're very meta, aren't they? Yes, they are very meta, yeah. I really enjoyed it. It's As I say, I watched four and it was very, very easy viewing. You know, it is one that you could watch all in one go, but 
I will not watch the rest. I will watch them as they come out because I do love that weekly suspense. I agree with you. I wasn't massively into the second season. Luke certainly would point at the door of Cara Delevingne in her performance. Um, but they have very much levelled up here with Meryl Streep and Paul Rudd, who are both sort of playing against their star personas, I think. Meryl Streep playing a character who is quite poor at acting or is mediocre at best, I think. You know, you get that first scene where he sees something in her and then during the table read, it's like Meryl Streep be a horrendous actor, you know. And she does it but doesn't sort of do it. You know, there is some comedy there with the Scottish accent, but you can, there's also just like when she doesn't do it without the accent, it's just very mediocre and that must be quite hard to pull off. And then with Paul Rudd, who is really a nice guy in all, all intents and purposes, playing the character who is, as you say, like horrible to everyone or has riled everyone up the wrong way. And again, playing into his Marvel uh, association here, you know, he's Ant-Man, but he's yeah. Cobra. And they also, Sophie, you went to see this because this was in the second episode. They also reveal he was uh, came to fame in a sort of 21 Jump Street-esque TV yeah. show called Girl Cop. <laughs> where it's hit him and this um, teenage girl go round and, you know, like they did in 21 Jump Street, pretend to be all our teenagers solving crimes yeah. um, as cops. And it was something that, because Mabel does mention it, doesn't she, in the first episode that she loved him in Girl Cop. And that was, she reveals that this was a show that she watched just after her dad died and her mum was watching it in the other room and they were both laughing and it helped them laugh together. And I think... I think Selena Gomez is so good in this show as well. And she's almost like, you know, the the straight man in this trio, which, you know, is a hard role to pull off. And I think it's upsetting that she hasn't been nominated for an Emmy for this as well, for, for two seasons straight. The stories that they've given, you know, Mabel in her sort of is, I'm in my what does it all mean phase. You know, I've got to move out with the Arconia in a few months the death of Ben is because he was an influential character to her. So it's all sort of playing out. You've got the stuff with uh, Martin Short and, as you say, trying to sort of revive the show. The end of the um, second episode was a very sort of hint to all that jazz, I thought, after he had, he'd had a, a health scare and then was seeing um, the cat, the other characters dressed in sequins and like Chicago-esque. From what I've seen, the first two episodes, I'm really positive about this. As you as you said, they've put the central trio back together and that chemistry just works really well. And I think that was what was the unique selling point of the series was two comedians and, the you know, Selena Gomez, who's sort of come off like Disney stardom. So and that was a formula that worked. And thankfully, they've realised that's what's worked. Let's put them back together. And I also liked um, Jackie Hoffman's two lines that she got in the first episode, which were very sort of pertinent. Uh, Sophie, what about you? I also didn't like season two as much as season one. Um, and I like how this time it's a completely new thing because the suspects aren't just like people who live in the building anymore. It's everyone who was at this party who was involved in this show. I'm a big theatre person and I've always loved all of the little theatrical references that have been in the show before to do with Oliver's character. And so the fact that this season is now just all about a Broadway show is my dream come true. Uh, A lot of the um, actors who are playing 
people involved in the show are Broadway actors. Um, a little bit of like Easter egg sort of thing for people who know them. Like I recognize a lot of them from different musicals. I think this season's really good. So far. I've only seen the one episode, but I'm really excited about it. Um, and the fact there's so many different suspects as well. There's the guy who's making the documentary. There's the producer and his mum. There's the understudy who he never wanted to go on stage. You know, even like Howard is potentially a suspect because he's hanging around as the assistant. I just love it, really. It reminded me a little bit of See How They Run. Also a little bit kind of knives out the fact that it's everyone in one room together and the murder has happened at some point that night. So the people who were in that room are the suspects. I just loved it, really, and I can't wait to see the rest. And they play that out in the in the second episode, don't they? They basically state that because of the handkerchiefs that he gives out to everyone. How long was Neil Armstrong actually on the moon? When did Europe start speaking English? Did Marco Polo really go to China? Curiosity Stream is the streaming service for all things history, plus science, wildlife, and more. What's the real story behind the Mona Lisa? We've got that. What caused the collapse of Rome? We know. Where did we find mankind's earliest ancestor? Come find out. For the holidays, give the gift of curiosity with 25% off gift cards for your curious cohorts. It's holiday shopping season at curiositystream.com slash gift. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. As like the opening night um, gift, and he's got a handkerchief on him when he dies that it's got to be someone who was in the show or was involved mm-hmm. with the show. So that's the sort of the line that ties it all together. And also just on that, it's very much a parody of Hollywood actors being in these Broadway shows, isn't it, as well as another sort of aspect of it. The show doesn't look particularly good. It looks quite old-fashioned, but um, did you say he's going to turn it into a musical after this? (laughs) Oh, great. The plot of the the play is a baby has a murderer anyway, so uh, that's why it's called Death Rattle. (laughs) Yes. Okay, well, uh, very positive here um, for Only Murders in the Building Season 3, which uh, starts its run on Tuesday with two episodes, and then I believe it's uh, one episode weekly after that. Moving on to our second um, returning show uh, is Heartstopper, the second season of Alice Oseman's adaptation of her own graphic novel continues the story of Nick and Charlie, uh, two teenage boys. Charlie was um, out uh, as the, the first season began, um, met Nick. They started to develop feelings for each other. And by the end, Nick realised he was bisexual, uh, came out to his mother, played by Olivia Coleman. Uh, but this is still playing into the where we are in the second season is Nick's wanting to come out to everyone and Charlie basically wanting it to go well at every turn because his experiences were very poor and he was bullied. It's about, I suppose, the hurdles in the relationship and especially when you're a teenager, the hurdles seem really, really dramatic when it's like your parents telling you, oh, you can't see your boyfriend, he's distracting. The end of the first episode ends with Charlie telling him that Nick is his 
boyfriend and then basically banning him from the house because his dad doesn't want any hanky-panky. We've also got uh, the story of Charlie's friends, Elle and Tao. Elle fancies Tao. Tao is um, reluctant to sort of face up to his feelings. Uh, But by the end of episode two, he sort of has, and it's a sort of where do they go from there? And it's essentially sort of one of those things about teenagers moving on and things changing as as you go forward stylistically as well for those who haven't watched it there's a lot of like little bits of animation that how characters are feeling sometimes and underlying that so i mean this isn't a show we spoke about when the first season aired i watched it over christmas just before we did our best of the year and and me and luke fell out over that obviously sophie's (laughs) uh said that she watched it all in one night i'll go to sophie first on this one obviously you had the first season fresh in your mind so did this sort of follow on nicely for you or yeah I mean it because it picks up exactly where series one left off doesn't it because I think Mm. it's mentioned that it's the day after Nick has come out to his mum so for me it's just like one long series really it's just carried on immediately (laughs) um it's got the same sort of feel to it um I really like the progression the fact that they're not really rushing anything. Nick has come out to his mum and now he's kind of thinking about possibly coming out to a few other people, like certain friends who might not react badly to it. Um, You know, I like that Charlie isn't sort of pushing him to come out to anyone before he's ready. It's nice to just watch this sort of sweet, healthy relationship, really, between these two teenagers. And it, yeah, it also seems like we're going to get more insight into Elle and Tao this time. I really like those two characters as well. They just kind of feel like real teenagers, really. You know, it's not like you feel euphoria or anything like that or skins back in the day. Um, it's like a friendship group that you would want to be part of. I, I really like the first episode. Just nice to be sort of back into it, really. And there's also talk of like a Paris trip coming up. So that was exciting. Um, yeah, looking forward to watching the rest of the series, too. I, re- I really loved it. This, you know, the, I was making the comparison to Sex Education, the other the other Netflix series. I love Sex Education as well, but this couldn't be more different. And I think Heartstopper is maybe a more realistic display of how it is to be a teenager for most teenagers. Yes, there are some teenagers who are, you know, taking drugs and having sex and not doing all this, but for a lot of teenagers, it's the first crush and the agony and you know, they're 16, but they're saying, look, I only I only am comfortable with kissing. I don't want to do anything more than kissing. And, you know, some people might think, oh, it's a sanitized version. But I think it is a reality for a lot of teenagers. A lot of people aren't that confident with their sexuality or their grasp on life to go out and experiment. The slightest thing different from the what they've known all their life is, as, as you see, Matt, is huge and a big deal. And I, th- I think Heartstopper really depicts that well. It really shows friends and boyfriend, girlfriend type relationships as well, how they talk about everything and they talk through their problems and they talk to each other about their problems I have a a 15 year old niece and from what she says a lot of this is very like her experience you know there is so much more openness about gender identity and sexuality and they're much more knowledgeable about things like gaslighting and you know, manipulation and toxic relationships. And they they have all that language in them because of TV and the internet. And, and Heartstopper 
shows that, that these kids have an emotional intelligence, even though they're like, oh, should I kiss them? Should I tell them I like them? But at the same time, they understand, you know, things like abusive parents or neglectful parents, and they understand the effect that something from your past will have on you and how it makes you behave. It is just a really lovely place to be. You know, mm. it's a, it's very gentle, it's low stakes. There is, you know, a, a abusive parents, neglectful parents, and there is some homophobia, but it is a... His horrible a, a, brother as well, Nick's yeah, horrible, horrible brother. horrible brother, yeah. David the dick. The only swear word in the whole series he keeps saying is he's a dick. It's very wholesome and it is very cute, but I think it's very good for teenagers to watch, you know, because I think they will not just identify with it, but they'll see these healthy patterns. And I don't mean that in a, like, it's, you know, it's something you should watch in school. It's incredibly enjoyable with it. And you care deeply about whether Tao and Anel are going to reveal their feelings and, um, you know, how Nick's going to feel telling his friends, how they're going to react. But it's just a pleasant diversion. It's just nice. It's one of these nice shows. I just thought that first episode where they had the sleepover, which led up to Nick coming out to Imogen, isn't it, the friend? Yeah. I think just Kit Connor's performance in that episode where he tried to tell her several times. And it's like when you are a teenager and you have to give big news to someone, it's really hard to do. And I think that was delivered really well. And I think the cast just generally, I think, are really good. And they found that chemistry more now as well, which is a positive about, I think, when shows certainly with young actors continue they've now they sort of get that chemistry solidified I think possibly from doing sort of all the press and stuff together as well so yeah as you say it's just a, a really nice show um I have to say I did identify with the sister is Tori isn't it Charlie's sister yes. <laughs> when he was having a um a sleepover and she said I'm all right I, I value my alone time which is a, a phrase I've used <laughs> on more than one occasion but yeah, that's all there on uh, Netflix now, Heartstopper uh, Season 2. And as we've said, Season 1 is a very easy watch as well. Now for something completely different. Uh, we're going over to uh, Channel 4, who this year have had quite a lot of um, reality competition shows, haven't they? Between uh, Rise and Fall, which we discussed, and um, Outrageous Fortune with Paddy McGuinness. And now um, Alone, which I'm reliably informed by Luke, is a format that is very successful in other countries. They've done about 13 seasons in America or something like that. Oh. This is uh, the first UK adaptation, and Dawn will just uh, run us through the, the basics. It's a bit, if you take your shipwrecked, your a little bit of race across the world and mix it all together, it starts with 11 contestants who are all abandoned uh, in the um, Canadian wilderness. They're all separate. They're not They're not together, but they are all simultaneously there, which I, I, at first I wasn't quite sure about that, but they explain they're all sort of maybe a couple of miles apart, various places around um, a, a body of water, and they each have 10 survival items, which they have chosen. So they, they, everybody doesn't have the same things. Only one person, for instance, has a bow and arrow. Some of them have chosen a fishing net. Some of them have chosen a 
fishing line. Uh, but they all have basics like a lantern and um, they all have a, a hatchet and fire lighting kit, things like that. They don't have any food or water and they have to survive the longest, whoever survives the longest wins. So it's an interesting one in that they are competing against each other, but really they're competing against the wilderness. Uh, they don't know what anybody else is doing. They don't know how long anybody else is surviving and if they've left. So it's just about them and how long they are willing to put up with this, how successful they are. Um, there's a huge range of people Although a lot of them seems to be living in London. There's a lot of, you know, living in London, I don't get to do this very much. But from the first episode, we have a, two standout characters, which is Louis, who is a scouse builder. He's the only one who's taken a bow and arrow. And he seems to be very comfortable in, in, in doing this survivalist type stuff. And also there is Alan, who is a forager. He's got long hair. And he has knowledge, you know, of, of foodstuffs and what he can eat. Although he says this is Canada and it's it's very different. With it being Canada, the biggest issue they face is not the weather or not hunger. It is animals. They all see bears. Um, there's wolf prints. There's also a gigantic moose. I watched the, the first two episodes. Uh, a lot of time is spent of, of them going, what was that? What was that noise? Uh, because they, they also, uh, as something we discussed when Race Across the World was on, they don't have a film crew each. They just have, it seems like they have two cameras for themselves, you know, tripods, whatever, and they film themselves. So it's very Blair Witch-esque in that there's a lot of close-ups of their own face as they're terrified of whatever's behind them. And they all have tarpaulins and... Um, their their first night, obviously, they you know they want to find a shelter. They need to get a fire going so they can boil water, so they can drink. And some of them don't. And within the uh, first episode, one person leaves. So uh, it very quickly separates the men from the boys. But in this case, separates the Londoners from the from the uh, the outdoors people who know what they're doing. And there's a lot of pressure on them to feed themselves to get water and obviously these are things which are very time sensitive and if they don't have water within 24 hours that's a big issue and of course the longer they go without food the more tired they are the less capable they are of building a shelter and defending themselves um i'm gonna safely assume that nobody gets eaten by a beer a bear by the end of it but i hey. i would think like because <laughs> The way, as we learned in this first episode, the only way that they can leave is they've got a satellite phone to ring. And actually, I felt quite sorry for the the first person who was eliminated because it wasn't really their own choice. But they realised I need stitches. I haven't got stitches. I have done something to myself that I shouldn't have with a a tool that I use on a regular basis. So I did feel a quite a bit sorry for them. Yeah. But the big tension, as you say, is. Mm -hmm. Or is someone going to get mauled by an animal is basically what they're setting up as you Dawn perfectly did the noise of what we hear and see a lot of the time. It's just people being afraid of bears or moose or I don't think we saw a wolf in the first episode. Yeah, one woman arrives and pretty much immediately sees a bear. I felt really bad for her. <laughs> it was just a bit of like much of a muchness, really. They did try and 
give you some sympathy behind these characters. I think it was was it the forager guy who was the one who was diagnosed with autism yeah. in his thirties. Yeah. Uh, you had the girl who had um, Ehrlich Danon syndrome, where her um, joints kept dislocating. I think she was the one who st- almost struggled to make a fire, wasn't she? And almost went without water for twenty four hours. And there was the guy who was a heroin addict for years. So they've obviously, you know, they've cast it, you know, well, and they want a mixture of of different people. Less likeable, the woman who works in PR and was like, I'm just craving a connection with nature. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't keen of that reason. Was she the one you wanted to be eaten by a bear? (laughs) (laughs) Just compared to some of the other backstories, that seemed quite a posh reason to be there. And there's also like a 19 year old who lives Mm. in London and has like never spent any time in the outdoors. (laughs) Bless him. But he's really interested in. He's been reading a lot about survivalist foresting. I don't know what the word he used was, but he said, I don't know anyone else of my age who's involved, who's as interested in like forestry or something as I am. All he has is theory, I suppose, isn't it? I think that's the thing with with the 19-year-old, that he's seen all this written down, but will it actually translate when he goes to the wild for the first time? I mean, there was the girl as well who... I th- I've got it written down as Naomi. She described herself as ballsy, but said, oh, you know, I like getting glammed up, but also in the mud. It's oh, okay she's the one who both... works in fashion? fashion yeah. I think, yeah. <laughs> Not a fan of hers either. <laughs> That seems like a reasoning from like 10 years ago to be like, I'm a tomboy. I want to show that girls girls. can do this too. (laughs) Mike, the joiner, who's the former heroin addict, it was really up-putting because he he sounded loads like Terry Christian. That's all I could hear in my head. I could Um, hear John Cooper Clark. I thought he sounded like he was, because he he did this line about... um, And it just sounded as if he was making a poem. And so it sounded very... John Cooper Clark. Yeah. yeah, a little bit. But yeah, just generally with this, I, I think they're looking for a new format channel for, you know, they've had a lot of success with the Bear Grylls Island, which I again is another thing this reminded me of. And I think they're looking for a new version of that. And I just kept watching it thinking they want this to work so much so they can just do a celebrity one because that's all they seem to do with their... Just did nothing for me, really. It's just like the way it was edited, it's just like we'll have all these people reacting to sounds putting up their temporary shelters and then their permanent shelters. There was a lot of shelter building. Yeah, it didn't do a lot for me. What about you, Sophie? Yeah, the main thing I struggled with was the fact that they're like vlogging, basically. Mm. Like it's it's all quite badly shot because the contestants are the ones doing the shooting. Um, and yeah, it kind of felt a little bit samey, like watching a really long like YouTube video um and the sort of dramatic music which felt very american like the dramatic music combined with someone being like oh what was that and you can't even see what's going on because some quite interesting characters involved but there's so many of them to introduce in episode one it's hard to sort of um get a handle on anyone in particular to like root for um and the one guy who perhaps you might feel some a lot of uh, sympathy for is then the one that like leaves quite quickly yeah same really it didn't really do that much for me it felt like quite a long hour to be mm. honest I didn't agree in the first episode I watched the first episode and I thought oh I like this I like that it's not about you know, backstabbing and making alliances and all that it was just about them however by the time I watched the second episode I thought this is just very samey it's just they skip over so many days they're like day three and then somebody goes I thought I had a bear and then they go oh day four because <laughs> they're just 
nothing happened other than, you know, I'm building something out of wood and I heard a beer. And that's it. And I mean, they skip to, I think they get to day eight in the second episode because there's just nothing to see. Because I think I read, is there only six episodes altogether? doesn't seem like a lot for a tv show like this but maybe yeah there's not enough happening to warrant more episodes because it's alone and, and they don't interact it's missing that element of that they have a challenge to do mm. and you know that might have been better if like their satellite phone they got a challenge that they had to do such and such but there needs to be some sort of narrative thread i yeah. suppose is what yeah. you're saying that because i suppose when it starts everyone's doing the same thing but then as you say what are they gonna they are alone yeah and watching someone on their own isn't you know that's why all these other shows as you said have had that the backstabbing the the arguments the stuff the human interaction because if you take away the human interaction it's just people being afraid of bears and mooses and wolves for ungodly amount of time it made me laugh when there's one woman she's like drinking a mug of brown like dirty water and she just goes i genuinely thought this was going to be easier <laughs> like why did you sign up for this and one of the women said um i did not want to see a beer not here not when i'm on my own uh, <laughs> <laughs> were you going to see one in london <laughs> at the zoo obviously this has been really successful elsewhere so i'm not sure how or why or if there's a different you know if there are sort of challenges and stuff like that but i don't think it translated very well and i i was glad when it ended really (laughs) when i didn't have to watch any more of it so that's a a glowing endorsement uh alone is uh sunday nights on channel four and uh finally this week strange planet which is a adaptation of a web comic uh, by Nathan W. Pyle, and um, he's adapted it alongside uh, Dan Harmon, who uh, people know for Community. Uh, like the comic, the series introduces us to a planet populated by blue beings without race, gender, who have human behaviours but discuss them in high terminolo- terminological ways. Uh, so, for example, the first episode centres around flying machines and specifically an air comfort supervisor who finds her efforts rewarded with more responsibility as she becomes the air comfort supervisor supervisor. However, she finds the added responsibility to alienate her from her colleagues. Uh, We also get a subplot about a group called the Four Sensations uh, who have to uh, find a new sound after losing their lead melody creator. This is going to be on Wednesdays, and I think it's a bit audacious, Dawn, of Apple to replace Hijack with an animation based on a plane where things go wrong. What did you make to Strange Planet? I mean, I watched one and the little bit of the second episode, which was all about pets. I don't know how many you watch. Yeah, I watched two as well. I love his comics. I love his web comics. I've always, um, my niece and I are always sending them to each other. And my my favourite is the I am a beacon of joy. That's me. I, I was really excited to see it, but I just don't think it translates well into prolonged dialogue because they kept losing that essence of the way they speak which is very explanatory or in rather than words they would say things and I'm like well that's just normal speak for, for instance in in the um the episode the the band end up making a song I wanna live and I'm like you never hear them say live they always you know talk about survival or you know Exist. I will, existence yeah so I thought well, that 
taking away that with the way they speak and that's the whole essence of it of why it's funny is, is the way they speak I didn't hate it I just didn't find it engrossing it's not going to be centered on one particular character or group of characters it just seems to be different it's an characters. anthology series yeah. isn't it really yeah so it's not that you you know become emotionally attached to one of the beings I just felt it was a bit nothingy couple of bits I laughed but not hugely it, it wasn't as acerbic as, as a lot of other animation adult animations but it also wasn't full of feel-good message and, and and something that made you feel very warm which is comics do is comics make you feel very warm and and life-affirming um existence affirming I don't think it translates well into into television no, I think maybe with comics, you put your own voice to it, don't you? You read it in a certain way, and maybe the voices you hear in this animation don't have the same resonance, perhaps. Yeah, they all speak in quite a sort of monotone way, don't they? And because mm. the language is so unusual, I found that I had I had to concentrate quite hard to understand what was being like said or what they meant. I like the animation style. I thought it was quite cute and, you know, mm. quite sort of pleasant to watch in that way. I ended the episode kind of thinking, oh, that was quite cute. But then I don't really feel a need to watch anymore. Um, just, yeah, similar to what Dawn said, kind of nothingy, really. Like, I don't regret watching it, but just kind of meh, really, for me. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. You sort of, you know what you're getting from it. Once you've, once you've watched one, I turned the second one on and it was... You know, the intro was very similar to the first one, sort of the history of domesticated animals and, and things like that. And the, the humour, as you would expect, is is similar throughout. Yeah, you know, you get where you are quite quickly in terms of the language that they use. And it's, I suppose, how funny you find that central conceit to be, calling alcohol a mild poison, for example, uh, was something that they used um, throughout the uh, the first episode set on the plane. But yeah, not something that I'm particularly going to remember at the end of the year or what we've watched, that this won't be something that particularly sticks with me. But it's interesting, I think, that, that Apple are trying something different again and, and it seems to be their sort of USP, isn't it, to try different things, even if they don't always work. I think this is somewhere in the middle for me. Thank you very much to, uh, or I should say, gratitude to Dawn and Sophie <laughs> for joining me uh, today. Uh, do you want to just quickly go through where we can find you on the interwebs? People can find me uh, on Twitter and uh, threads, I guess, at threads. Sophie Davis. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't posted anything on there, but I am on there. I get. I like the I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Dawn, are you on threads? I am on threads and I get, like like Sophie, I haven't actually posted anything, but I'm on there. I am Dawn Glenn too on Twitter and on threads. I am Ikolosu, uh, which is I-K-K-L-E-O-S-U and the same on Instagram. I'm not on threads, but I got the message the other day saying nine people want you to be on threads. <laughs> you can find me um, at Matt's TV Bites on uh, Twitter slash X. Luke at Luke Custard TV, as I said, and at Custard TV Pod. I don't think there'll be a podcast next week. Uh, August, as ever, is a dearth of TV. So uh, watch this space. 
Until then, thank you very much for listening and goodbye. Rate and review us wherever you find us. I think that it's programs like this that help people realise that they're not alone. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. Hey, can I tell you a secret? The secret to getting a great shave without any nicks, cuts or irritation isn't three or four blades, a soap strip or a swivel head. It's just supporting the blade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just supporting the blade. Don't let it flex or bend. That's the secret to limiting shaving irritation. At Henson Shaving, we use our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to keep the blade from moving. It's not the coolest answer, but it's the right one. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com holiday.